Nourish is an organization that was set up about five years ago, really to give a voice to people who cared about changing the food system and make sure there was kind of political representation of these ideas that were sort of thriving among civil society and local food networks and people getting really engaged in creating alternative, healthy, fair, sustainable food systems, but not having a platform really to engage in the political debate, which meant that still to this day, we have a very powerful National Farmers Union of Scotland and very powerful food industry. And it's really those narratives that are still very strong in food policymaking. So Nourish is here to try and redress the balance a bit and yeah, I guess inject some different values into food policy. Three years ago, Nourish came together with RSPB Scotland to instigate the Scottish Food Coalition, a civil society coalition with a whole range of organisations involved from Unite and Unison, the Federation of City Farmers and Gardens to Obesity Action Scotland. So really covering different aspects of the kind of health, sustainability and justice agenda in the food system. Our goal was to work together for a whole system transformation and say, yeah, we need a food system that treats our workers well and makes sure that we're not killing off our bees and make sure there's people not living in food poverty. All of those issues are urgent. So the Scottish Food Coalition collaboratively wrote a narrative outlining the case for change in our first report, which is Plenty, Food Farming and Health in the New Scotland. And in this, we advocated for framework legislation to change the food system. We needed this cross-cutting approach to be taken forward by government as well. And this was published just before the Scottish elections. And we secured commitments to new framework legislation for the food system from the SNP, from Scottish Labour and from the Scottish Greens. How does the Good Food Nation Bill in that case differ from previous legislation or how might it differ? I think it's different in that it's taking this cross-cutting approach to food. This is the first time it's happened, and it's happened very rarely across the globe. So Scotland has the potential to really be world-leading here in taking a kind of whole system approach to food, which makes total sense because all of these issues impact and relate on other issues. And so to develop really coherent and effective policies, then we need to look at that whole messy picture of the food system rather than try and break it down into constituent parts. So I think the Good Food Nation Bill is completely necessary for so many reasons. We're really facing crisis point on several aspects of our food system and creating damage that's going to be really difficult to repair. So to give some examples, we're spending £1 in every nine of the NHS Scotland budget on diabetes. Over 90% of that is on type 2 diabetes, which is associated with diet. We've got 10% of children living in food insecurity in Scotland, growing up without access to adequate nutrition that is so fundamental for their health throughout their life, as well as their attainment and well-being. And yeah, it's really scary. At the same time, we've got the complete decimation of insect population, including pollinators, All of these things means it's going to be incredibly difficult to produce food well in the future. So we definitely need much stronger leadership in terms of creating zero carbon farming in the coming decades. 
and there's huge potential for this to happen. We've got the solutions. I think this is why the Good Food Nation Bill is so necessary, because there's so much potential for action right now. Can you maybe just give a little bit of an overview of the history of the bill, really? Kind of mm. what has happened so far and where are we right now in the process? So Scotland has introduced cross-cutting food policies previously. It had a Good Food Nation policy in 2014, and before this, a food policy called Recipe for Success. And especially the Good Food Nation policy that brought in a lot more of the aspects of food beyond food exports and food industry, which has really been the centre of the agenda until now. However, as a, as a policy and not a piece of legislation, it didn't have any sort of legal binding and hasn't really shaped how the government makes decisions. We really need something that is legally binding, that holds ministers to account and that has longevity because changing the food system isn't going to happen overnight and we need like a very clear commitment to this agenda. We expect the public consultation to be launched in the next few months, but this has been delayed several times already. So I think we're a bit sort of like, oh yeah, it, it should be coming soon, but we've thought that for a while. From, from your point of view, or from Nourish's point of view, what would be the sort of best case scenario for the bill? What is, what's the hope? I think we want the bill to do several things, but really two specific strands. One strand on governance, we need a lot stronger mechanisms for governing our food system to ensure that it's delivering on the things that we want it to deliver. And some specific programmatic measures that really sort of catalyze change. So in terms of the governance measures, for us, we think priorities include putting the right to food into Scots law. So the right to food is part of the economic, social and cultural rights in the UN. And whereas civil and political rights were put into domestic law, we never put the economic, social and cultural rights into law. We're advocating putting the right to food into Scots law, and this will then guide the decisions of public bodies, including local authorities. And the right to food doesn't just encompass food insecurity. It's got the whole framework outlined by the UN, which covers the adequacy of food, the availability and the accessibility. So it's really about ensuring that everyone has access to good food that is meeting their dietary needs, that is culturally appropriate, that is produced in ways that are sustainable. It's also got something in the right to food that's about access to resources. It's not just access to food. It's also about access to land and access to skills and knowledge. So we think the right to food framework is a really helpful framework in terms of we can already draw on the knowledge that's been built up in the international community over previous decades. We're not starting from scratch here. And so that would be the first point, to put the right to food into Scots law and for that to guide future policy and practice. Another point is to establish a statutory food commission. We've seen this approach taken with the Land Commission, for example, with the Land Reform Act. And so we believe that the Food Commission would be important for really scrutinising and monitoring and ensuring that all of the vision and commitments in this new legislation are followed through. And so this might be something like reporting annually to Parliament on the state of Scotland's food system, 
commissioning research if there's holes in knowledge. We also envision it to have some civil society participation mechanism because we think obviously food affects all of us and it's really important that people aren't just sort of eating the consequences of a food system but are also really involved in shaping it. We also think that it's important to have statutory targets similar to the Climate Change Act for example and we've seen that having targets really keeps it on the agenda and means that ministers and government are held accountable. In terms of specific programmatic measures, these might be like a much more radical approach to ensuring food procurement is in line with our sort of health, justice and sustainability goals. This could apply not only to direct food procurement in sort of government buildings or schools or hospitals, but also to institutions that receive public funding. In this way, if we were raising standards and ensuring that all food procured had to treat workers fairly, met really good either organic or really high food production standards, met our dietary goals and really normalised a sort of healthy, sustainable diet, as well as that kind of cultural normalisation, also supporting the development of infrastructure for that. So short supply chains, really creating a market for producers who want to produce food to the highest standards. That's the sort of measure that could really support the kind of wider shift in our food system. I think we hope that the Good Food Nation Bill will really catalyse a change in our food environment. So for a long time we've had people blamed for their food choices, but what we want to do is change the context within which food choices are made. So that might be mechanisms that place a responsibility on multiple retailers and caterers to help us meet our dietary goals. Also might mean sort of ban on promotions of food that's high in fat, salt and sugar, different planning measures that would support our high streets to actually ensure that the healthy, sustainable choice is really accessible for everyone. What do you see as the main obstacles to an effective Good Food Nation bill? I think there's several challenges. Firstly, that this kind of cross-cutting framework approach hasn't been done very much before. We've seen the Scottish Parliament take a sort of, yeah, really interesting approach to the Land Reform Act, to the Community Empowerment Act, and we know that they are broadly interested in progressive policies. And I think one of the challenges is for a long time, the food system has been seen to be about producing commodities for export. Before we've had, you know, a food and drink team in the Scottish government, their whole raison d'etre is to increase exports. And, you know, we have news reports about the Scottish success story of now our food exports are worth X amount, increased by so much from last year or whatever. So there's really a very fundamental philosophical question around what is our food system for? Is it for making money or is it for nourishing people? I think that actually we're struggling to get buy-in from people in the food and drink team, in the Scottish Parliament, that the latter, nourishing people, has to be the priority. It's really interesting. We've had a lot of research coming out recently about the external cost of cheap food. We know it's really not good value for money to focus on exports. The amount that we get from exports does not in any way 
match the amount we spend treating the consequences of a food system that is focused on exports um, or that's focused on producing commodities. Another challenge specific to the Good Food Nation Bill in Scotland right now is that I don't think we've got the commitment of the First Minister in any really significant way to this piece of legislation. It could be completely world-leading and groundbreaking, but it's going to be really complicated. It's a cross-cutting framework piece of legislation, so really demands strong leadership. I think another problem is that we're not going to have strong leadership from government. We need a really strong civil society, politicised food movement. And we've got a lot of action on the ground in Scotland to create an alternative food system. We've got people running community meals, amazing community gardens all over the country, people setting up social enterprises and really innovative ways of tackling the kind of corporate power of our food system, taking it into our own hands and creating an alternative food system, which is really exciting. However, those projects and initiatives aren't necessarily joined up and aren't necessarily connected into this political agenda, um, which is why I think organisations like Nourish and Scottish Food Coalition have a very important role to play right now. It's a bit of a leap for people to really understand what we're trying to achieve for the Good Food Nation Bill and what their part in this is, or it can be. And I think we've got a lot of narratives that are really unhelpful, but remain quite powerful because they receive media attention. So these might be that we need to produce more in order to feed the world. It's a narrative that's been pushed by big agribusiness for a long time. And fundamentally, we don't need to produce more. What we've got is a problem with waste and a problem with distribution. Another narrative would be that sort of linked to that we need cheap food. Actually, cheap food means the abuse of animals in the food system. It means the exploitation of workers. It means irreparable damage to our ecosystems. It means food that's not good for our health. And yeah, we're living in a two-tiered food system where if you've got enough income, then you can afford a diet that keeps you healthy. Whereas if you don't, then you face that double burden of poverty and ill health because you're not eating food that's good for you. And so actually we need to raise incomes and we need to think of different ideas to ensure that everyone has access to good food. We've got universal access to healthcare at the moment, touch wood, um, or education. Those fundamental needs for health and education, we're like, oh yeah, everyone should have access to them. But below that, that basic need for access to really good food, we've not created any sort of societal interventions to make sure that that need is met for everyone. On, on the question of the sort of um, obstacles, I guess, to mm. making the bill really effective and the question of sort of Nourish Scottish Food Coalition versus, I'm kind of deliberately being provocative, but mm. versus something like NFU mm. Scotland, how, how much scope do you see there for kind of common cause mm. or bridge building? Yeah, I think there's huge common cause or huge potential to build common cause with organisations that we're not natural allies with, whether that's uh, National Farmers Union of Scotland or other sort of industry bodies. Because I think these problems that I've been outlining in terms of the kind of sustainability or economic issues in our food system, 
they're recognized across the board. Everyone knows that we can't carry on business as usual. And certainly we're going to have different priorities as Nourish or the Scottish Food Coalition to, to NFUS. But we've also got some really clear things in common. And in terms of uh, the climate change bill that's upcoming, we've been working actually quite closely with NFUS to try and develop policies that are supported by both the environmental NGOs and the farmers' union. And that's been a really interesting and productive process and really hope to kind of continue that way of working where we're able to work collaboratively. I think it's really important for us that that doesn't mean we're going to always limit our ambitions to what's acceptable to other organisations. And so we definitely don't want to water down some of our commitment to, to really transformative legislation. But at the same time, we, you know, we really recognise we've got organisations representing food producers in the Scottish Food Coalition and really recognise that actually the system right now doesn't work for producers either. And there's huge common cause with the NFUS on that. So... As part of their efforts to help as many people as possible contribute to the consultation, Nourish and the Scottish Food Coalition have invited people to host kitchen table talks. These are chances to gather and share ideas about Scotland's relationship with food, and especially what the government's role should be in shaping that relationship. Kitchen table talks are an opportunity for everyone in Scotland to take part in discussions about the food system and what the Good Food Nation Bill might do, might achieve. We really wanted to reach out to people and provide a resource that could stimulate some discussions sort of in homes, in workplaces, in schools and communities, because the food system does affect all of us in really fundamental ways. And we've had such little power as civil society in deciding food policies or how the food system is working and that really needs to change and I think it's something that people don't necessarily think about that much especially in terms of the whole food system and what it is and what it means we've become very isolated from it and it's quite invisible in a lot of ways so yeah the kitchen table talks are really kind of the first step we hope that people will come on a longer journey with us and get really involved in campaigning on the Good Food Nation Bill. They're also about sort of introducing the Good Food Nation Bill to people across Scotland because very few people know about it right now and it is this huge opportunity for groundbreaking legislation. We've been promoting Kitchen Table Talks to Scottish Crofting Network and a couple of the early ones we've had were from producers and growers actually and We've also promoted it to NFUS and through Community Garden Network as well. You can host a kitchen table talk by downloading the packs from either the Nourish Scotland website or the Scottish Food Coalition website. And there's sort of a background document on the Good Food Nation Bill and also some guidance notes for hosts and a bit of a template to fill it in. It's all quite a simple process. You can also fill in the form as an individual. We're really keen to hear as many people's ideas as possible. Kitchen table talks are a way for people to share their 
main concerns about the food system. So one aspect of it is to kind of collectively, as a group, work out your top five concerns about the food system. And we've had really interesting responses ranging from, you know, food banks or promotion of unhealthy food to children or the bees or, you know, there's so many issues going on right now. And so it's really helpful for us as NGOs to get a better idea of what really matters to people. Another aspect of the Kitchen Table Talks is coming up with your top five priorities for action. And the emphasis here is on action from government. We've had for a long time sort of, oh, you should choose organic or you should choose what's healthy within a food system that is broadly not supportive of making those choices. We didn't reduce smoking by telling people to smoke less. We reduced smoking by creating really transformative policies. That's the kind of thing that's going to transform the food system. It's not some people making better food choices. It's really significant interventions that set us on a different path. How do you think the Kitchen Table Talks can reach beyond the usual suspects, Mm. i.e. people like me and my friends? It's a good question. The short answer is I could start a whole load of ideas of things that we could do, but actually we're running Kitchen Table Talks with pretty much zero funding. We did a crowdfunder at the end of last year to sort of cover the bare cost of it, but um, it's just something that as an organisation we felt was really, really important and wanted to do. So it's been quite difficult because we haven't been able to then really put the energy into doing events all over the country or ways that we could really reach out to people. But I think something that's really nice about the Kitchen Table Talks is quite often people who take part in one then are interested in hosting one. And so we've had that kind of knock-on effect, which is great. So I think it is starting to happen and it's very gradually gaining momentum. Unfortunately, we're only running them until the 15th of April because we do expect the public consultation to be launched very soon. We've uh, had some contact with the Bill team and you know, they're really interested to see what comes out of the kitchen table talks. So we'll be starting analysis of the responses on April 23rd. So you have until then to submit your feedback to host a kitchen table talk. And people really care about food. Everywhere we go, we have very passionate discussions. I think that it's through really broad participation and getting everyone's views about this and ideas about this and not only shaping but kind of continually participating in the development of these policies that will make them so much more robust and effective and meaningful and acceptable to people. So yeah, I think the ambition with the Kitchen Table Talks and we hope uh, leading on from them with the public consultation is that we really send a very strong message to the Scottish Government, that the people in Scotland really care about food, we really need a different food system, and we've got plenty of ideas to make that happen. In the next episode of Farmerama, we'll listen in to a kitchen table talk. In the meantime, if you'd like to find out more, visit foodcoalition.scot.com.